Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one. It's the Politics Show Pubcast. I swear that I will pay true allegiance to your majesty and to your heirs and successors according to law. So help me God. God save the king. Love podcasts. Hate nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Politics Show Pubcast. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by the golden boy of Politics Joe, Ed Campbell, our producer. Hello, Ed. Hello. How are you? Let's have a little cheers as well there. Cheers. God save the king. God save the king. <laughs> and Ben Smoke, uh, political editor of Huck Magazine and longtime friend of Politics Joe. How, How are, are you, mate? I'm all right, thank you. Um, full of cheer. Full of cheer. <laughs> full of cheer. Full of regal mm. coronation cheer. Yeah. From my queen, coronation. Diana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did how did we feel watching? Did you watch it first of all? I guess is the question over the weekend. I watched little bits of it, and I'd say my main takeaway was that it was a difficult wank. Um, <laughs> but I really persevered. Um, you got it done. You got it done. By the end, I was as upright as Penny Mordaunt's sword. V- um, view- viewers might be concerned that the podcast would be a bit different without Ava here and Ben here, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly the same. It's I've exactly actually spoken to her and she said the exact same thing about it. <laughs> it's a, no, almost uh, we could have planned this better for our second episode that she wouldn't be on holiday. Um, but you know, We could have done, but that would be boring and, and too well organised for us. But we're, we're, we're all the richer and better for having you here, Ben. So thank Thanks you very much me. for joining us. Um, the biggest sort of takeaway, I guess if we were to talk about the, sort of the news angle over the weekend, is these arrests, other, other than the coronation of a new head of state, that's quite a big, quite a big news thing. Um, <laughs> but these arrests, right, the, and there's been quite a few of them, people from uh, the protest group Republic, which the clue is in the name, opposed the monarchy, uh, their organiser, and a few others, they were nicked preemptively, in fact. He was arrested at his house, uh, Just Stop Oil. There were some people who were just wearing Just Stop Oil t-shirts. They didn't actually have any of the gear for like locking on or anything like that. They also got arrested. And then this bizarre instance of the sort of nighttime wardens in Soho mm-hmm. getting arrested the night before and held in custody, I think, for about 16 hours um, because they were in possession of 
rape alarms, mm. which obviously if you're a night warden is a sort of fundamental thing. Yeah. Mm. So I mean, it's understandable why the Met Police might be so against rape alarms, particularly, <laughs> <laughs> particularly <laughs> police officers from the Charing Cross police station. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, like, what's quite interesting about this, and I think what's been quite funny watching it play out over the weekend is lots of people who've been like, protest is now dead. Protest is over. The right to protest is over. And it's, it's been a little bit like, welcome. <laughs> if we're Thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely to have you with us. Um, I mean, I don't think the right to protest is dead. I, don't, I think it's a really deeply like unhelpful framing of it. Like, the reality is, is that the police, uh, you know, I saw one tweet that was like, yeah, the, the police, this isn't British policing. This isn't Britain. Mm. And I'm like, sir. <laughs> sir. It really is. Literally. Sir. And it's like the police are cutting about on the streets of London as they have been doing for the last 40 years. Mm. Um, if you go back to like the 80s and the police tactics that we see now, they were created in conjunction between Willie Whitelaw, who was Thatcher's um, Home Secretary, and the police federation at the time. And they created a lot of the tactics that we see and they used them and tested them out on picket lines. And so the kind of like the aggressive, um, like preemptive strikes that we see, and we've seen it through like decades, generations of activists. So did it come as like a huge shock? No. Should people who were organizing have known better? Yes. Like does that in any way, is that in any way to blame them for what happened? No. But like this idea that we can, that we're all fine if we chat to the police and it's all going to be okay. It's like, no, that's just not how these things work. I think there's a, um, there's a real point of difference here as well between, let's say something like, I don't know, Ben, breaking onto the runway at Stansted <laughs> Airport and chaining yourself to an airplane to mm. stop a deportation flight uh, mm. taking place, which, you know... What specific example? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, but whoever did that was clearly a handsome legend. Yeah, a, 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 a handsome legend called Ben Smoke. Um, but, th you know, that's, that's one thing. And on, and on the other side of it, there's walking towards the coronation mm. and being preempted. Like, there is a, there is, there's a pretty big difference there between you being arrested before you've actually... Well, done it. Not even direct action. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, I think they had a they had a protest area right siphoned off for them at the coronation. So presumably he was just going to head there and hold a placard. For right, and not making at the car. It was like the least of all the with all the protests that have been in the limelight in the past couple of years. That's like the most milk toast, yeah. basic, boring protest. Mm. Like the people, like the just of all people, would be like, "Is that it? Like, come on, guys. <laughs> you guys, fucking suck. You're not gluing yourselves to anything." But even just up, Will were literally just planning to go and hold up placards because, like, the reality of it is, is that people in activist groups, people organizing, understand the way that the Met were going to react, mm. and understood the way that they would utilize this kind of like outpouring of like flag shagging sycophancy to like play out their wildest dreams of repression and so they knew that which is why they weren't you know planning to do anything as far as i know like absolutely fucking batshit as much as that would be fun mm. and it would have been camp <laughs> <laughs> and even doing that anyway <laughs> like even doing that it was like too much for the met and i think what's quite interesting is what, like, a lot of the framing around it has been like well the met decided that this is where the line is the Met decided that the risks that way, and it's just like, hold on a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why? Why? Why are these people, these people who have been like over and over again proven to not be fit to hold the power that they have, 
and continually adding more power to it. Why is it that these people are getting to decide what is a fundamental human right, a human right that is entrenched within domestic and international law under the European Convention of Human Rights and the Human Rights Act? Why are they getting to decide? I mean, like, even look back, like, it's literally been a month and, like, five days or whatever it is since the case review. Mm -hmm. Look at Mark Rowley, commissioner of the Met's response to it. You know, he was talking about how integrity is central to policing and we've clearly failed. You know, we clearly are, to paraphrase, fucking nutjobs who have like who have no business that's being anywhere near a baton <laughs> that's almost a direct quote as well mm. it's, not, it's, not, it's not actually a paraphrasing really um yeah it's it's so true isn't it Ed? this you know you look at uh the, you know the report into stephen lawrence's murder right it finds that the met is institutionally racist the report into the daniel morgan murder finds that the met is institutionally corrupt fast forward a few decades further on the casey report finds yes that all of those things are true and still nothing has been done about it and people i think also should they, should, they shouldn't have any illusions about whose interests the Met Police serves, mm. right? If, if you want to take like an abstract argument about policing in this country, right? Uh, common law descends from, it's property law, right? So the people that exist to enforce the law are going to uphold people who have property. They're going to maintain the rights of people who have property. Also, the police, they swear an oath of allegiance to the to the crown. Yep. It's, it's, it's like the they arm. They have crowns on their <laughs> fucking hats. <laughs> it's, it's, it really should be obvious <laughs> by now. They're not going to take you fucking around at the coronation very well. What I, th what I think's interesting is the whole thing seems to have been framed as we didn't want them to spoil it. Because <laughs> yeah. when I was, I was at the mile, I spent two and a half days there last week. Godspeed, mate. How are you feeling? <laughs> Loved it. Uh, How's that <laughs> delicious pint of men's mental health going down for you? <laughs> um, but I, I asked the people camping on the mile, like, how do you feel about the protest? And to be fair to a few of them, a few of them did say, it's their right, we live in a free country. I disagree with them, but they can do what they want. Other people were like, they're not, they can't do it on Saturday. Why Saturday? <laughs> it being the coronation, that's maybe the most, if you're an anti-monarchist organisation, that's maybe the one day in the past 70 years that you are going to mount, try and mount an anti-monarchist protest. But it's the, the whole thing I think was about perception and how it seemed to the outside world if you watch the bbc's coverage um on saturday i think you would be under the impression that the entire country was out celebrating out mm. waving flags there was no mention of the protest as far as i'm aware there was no mention of any anti-monarchist sentiment which i kind of think i was thinking about like is there an example and it's if you watched the inauguration of donald trump and no one mentioned that there was a large opposition to it. Mm. It's, it's, it was, the whole thing was incredibly dishonest. Like I was walking through central London on Saturday in London Bridge and I saw two union flags hanging on balconies and that was it. You wouldn't mm. have known there was a coronation. Like I watched it on my, I watched the coronation on my, on my laptop in my kitchen. Like, I, yeah, because I, I feel professionally obliged to. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make it clear to listeners that Ed was not professionally obliged to, li to, li to, li to listen to that. Um, I want to make it clear to my editor that I did, and I was very dil diligent. Diligent. Very diligent. Yeah, sorry, I watched it with Ben. Ben was also there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I actually think the media is a little bit behind the monarchy on this in in the sort of deferential way that we that we talk about this. Even even in the context of the protests, right? That but we don't have to talk about it like that. We can just talk about the BBC's rolling coverage of the actual event. But you know the the the, the <laughs> mail wrote up um, the sort of the plans of protesters to disrupt uh, to disrupt the coronation, which was if you go through it line by line, completely baseless. Um, the, only, the, only, <laughs> the, the only people that had actually said they were considering bringing rape alarms to the coronation was like a hard right English constitutional political party. It wasn't eco. <laughs> it wasn't eco protesters. As the it's their fucking day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just Sir, fucking chill out, lads. Exactly. It's your party. This is all for you. Exactly. They disagree with like the 
the Jacobite rebellion or the Stuarts <laughs> inheriting the crown. It's actually like a centuries-long schism that they've taken. But no, completely. I think I think in many ways the media is almost in sort of a 1950s type m- mindset of being deferential to royalty and being deferential to um, the king. I mean, I kind of. I get it and I don't because I'll, I'll be honest. I had this. I had a strange sense during the coronation. I found it deeply weird, and the way it's sort of obvious is such an obvious representation of kind of hierarchy, class structure, and the nonsense of sort of hereditary supremacy. But on the other hand, I was watching it and I'm watching King Charles. You know that wooden chair he sat in. Mm-hmm. It's like 700 years old. Mm. You know that's fucking cool. That, that, <laughs> that is cool. And like, no, if you, you know, went to a restaurant and they were like, "Here's a chair. It's 700 years old. Half of it's missing. It's got graffiti <laughs> all over it. And there's a fucking big rock in the bottom." You'd be like, "No, I'm not paying for this, mate." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's weird. <laughs> uh, just a word, Ed, on what is it? The, the ceremonial stone, the stone Ed, of the truth, stone of destiny, the stone of destiny, the yeah. stone of schoon. It's the it's what um, the kings of Scotland were crowned on and I actually find the whole debate about the Stone of Destiny the most cringe <laughs> what, thing. What is the debate for someone who's not familiar? Because oh, it's like, because it's a symbol of Scotland and England stole it in like maybe the 12th or 13th century and then I think a group of students stole it back at one point in like the, era, in the, 20, the 50s maybe but like Alex Salmon said he would have had a ring of policemen stopping the stone of, <laughs> stone of destiny being taken for the coronation. Like an surely, iron curtain. Which is, is, is like, it's like a whole like it's one of the most cringe aspects of Scottish nationalism. Like surely, if you object to the British monarchy, you also object to the Scottish monarchy. Mm. Which like just because you like Robert the Bruce doesn't mean he was still a king. He still probably did have some like quite regressive tax policies in his time. Like I don't know. He probably, he probably it wasn't was great not Yeah, I don't know. Mm. It's, it's just the whole the whole kind of discourse about the Son of Destiny which is ultimately quite cringe which is I suppose if you consent if you consent to Scotland being a part of the United Kingdom which I suppose you have to if you're the government even if you're a Scottish nationalist party you have to consent to that so you have to participate in the state instruments and the state engines Hamza Yusuf was there mm. so it's not like I, said, I object do you, like, do you object more to Hamza Yusuf being there no I object to the stone being there. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, ben, the, 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 the sort of justification for some of these arrests, right, was the concern about locking on. Mm. And I think it's uh, telling that the police have found no equipment necessary to actually lock on to anything. They found like a megaphone and a placard. They were able to conduct these arrests because of uh, legislation related to the Public Order Act pushed through on the Friday mm. um, by Suella Braverman in the Home Office. Your your thoughts and feelings about that piece of legislation and what it says about the country that we live in at the moment. I mean, it's just like, it's so small time, isn't it? (laughs) Like all of these pieces, it's just quite funny because obviously it's not funny in any way. Like it's deeply disturbing, regressive, fascistic, draconian. Um, But it's quite funny that like every single time a protest group does something, the government are like, Shit. <laughs> oh, we didn't we didn't think of that yeah. one. Oh, damn it. And they're like, oh, put a new law in. Go, go, go. And it's just like, firstly, like if you look at the um policing act, you look at the public order um bill act, you look at like the the bill of rights that they're trying to bring through. Like none of the like yes, they are quite specific in that like yeah, they did give powers to um to like arrest 
Republic, for example, because I think it was like one of them had a box cutter so that they could like take the plastic off the placards. And there were some like luggage straps so that the placards weren't like flying about in the back of the van. And the cops were like, well, you could lock on with that. It's like, <laughs> I used with the greatest <laughs> respect, mate. <laughs> you fucking couldn't. Um, and so it's sort of like, yes, they are utilizing it, but the, in reality, they've, they've had these kind of powers. It just speaks to a government that's desperate mm. and a government that, it's like that um, that Mitchell and Webb meme, isn't it? It's like, are we the bad guys? Because it's sort <laughs> of like, I mean, we'll come on to it later with the um, with the barge. Um, you know, like they they were talking about putting it in a place where they can stop protests. You know, they put in all of these different pieces of legislation to like stop. You know, the public uh, the policing bill, for example, was brought in and had bits to stop people doing airport incursions. <laughs> know why wonder why <laughs> um or to like shutting down major bits of highway after insulate britain or you know any of you know look at you could literally read word for word and be like okay well that's xr that's insulate britain that's this and it's just like this government is so set and it's so like thin-skinned and it's so like, it's just embarrassing it's just like you're literally the government and you're getting upset <laughs> that a few people are walking a little bit slow down the strand yeah, yeah. it's like do you not have bigger things to to worry about like there is a an historic cost of living crisis in this country like poverty levels are obscene three million food parcels up to march of this year that i think i worked out as it's like 10.5 food parcels every single minute of the last year like that's insane in a country that is the fifth wealthiest economy and the government is out there legislating for that and it's just like, do they not at any point take a step back and think, hold on a second, maybe the fact that this keeps happening, maybe people feel so committed that they will literally put themselves in prison for like really shit things, like sitting in a road, like that's no reason to go to jail, is mm. it? But they will do it because they feel this strongly. Maybe there's something else at play. Maybe we should look at this and understand why it is that people feel so strongly and start legislating on that, on the major issues that face us today. And the, the coronation is just like a perfect little slice, a perfect little sliver of Britain today. It's small time, it's pathetic. It's, it's looking back at a history that never was to ignore a part of a future. Blah, blah, blah. It's looking, <laughs> <laughs> a really good fucking line. Yeah. It's looking back at a history that never was to ignore a present that is abominable and a future that's gonna be even worse. Yeah, bang on. So we can expect Keir Starmer to uh, repeal all of this legislation. Yeah. Thank God he's actually breaking <laughs> bombshell. He, he actually committed to undoing all the legislation and to enshrine <laughs> a new constitution where you, <laughs> where there's no king, uh, you can... No House of Lords. No House of Lords. Elect a thousand lords, mm. um, three pints on the weekend. Four <laughs> <laughs> day week and a three day bender. Guys, this is sick. <laughs> Shock, no, he's a cop. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually saw Nandy this morning saying that they won't repeal Who the public who's order. Who's Labour for? I asked this in the last <laughs> podcast, but like, what? What are they doing? As in, who are they? You might think, okay, well, they might not be as... Well, they're in the business of getting a grip on government. Right? <laughs> but, like, the adults are back in the room. But, like, you might think, you might think, oh, maybe... Well, they're not as, like, great economically as perhaps I would like. But, thank God, they're so socially liberal. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Who is... Who's this for? Mm. Who, like, which of them... Like, even, like, Julia Hartley Brewer was against the Met's behaviour at the weekend. And she's not exactly the most liberal person... Mm. on morning radio mm. so who's that who's I literally, like, I, field as well. <laughs> I literally saw like as, as we were like 
setting up I saw Lawrence Fox had tweeted saying that it was disgusting policing when the police like took out those two dogs that's also another thing that I think we need to mention is that yeah. the police have been on a fucking mad one this weekend is that not only did they do all of that they were also just wandering about East London like taking out dogs and tasering homeless people like even Lawrence Fox was like you know what bit much actually <laughs> <laughs> they got shushed up by the coronation they're like yeah these two pit bulls fucking you're going down but like is is labor just angling for the police vote like there's not like that's not a really big part of the electoral we will coalition hire <laughs> half a million police officers <laughs> yeah. and then they will all vote for us yeah like i don't like is it, if that's their tactic then what they're doing makes sense this is Behavior. a good this is a good way for us to start talking about the local elections right yes Fucking yes. Um, Another difficult wank. <laughs> <laughs> difficult to get hard for the local elections. Although I suppose the Tories losing a thousand seats. Yeah. Mm. Mm, yeah, we're getting there. But only 500 of those gains were by the Labour Party. Um, big showing for the Lib Dems with 400. But I mean, I do. you kind of have to write off anything the Lib Dems do in the local elections because they will just tell you whatever you want to hear. Oh, you you, you want you, you oppose the construction of the bypass. Well, we'll stop the bypass. Oh, you, you want the bypass? Yeah, well, we'll build the bypass. <laughs> don't worry. Well, don't worry. We will build the bypass. Uh, housing? Housing? No, 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 no housing. They will literally tell you what there's no cohesive ideology. They just tell you whatever you want to think. And so at local elections, they do quite well. <laughs> <laughs> the Greens, however, there's a, there's an interesting story there, isn't there, Ben? Because mm. they they had they had a pretty good showing, and particularly in the context, I think Labour five hundred Greens were more than a hundred, weren't they? Getting close to two hundred, I think, or some, something like that. The numbers yeah, are irrelevant, just, but it's a good showing for them. Well, I think the thing is, is that like, and again, your Lib Dems, you're right, like they are shameless. But <laughs> the what we can see from Lib Dems and from Green is that like they have a ground game. And they are attuned to local issues. Obviously, you can't trust Lib Dems. That's as another as way of putting what I just said. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can't trust them as far as you can fucking throw them. Yeah, too. But right. like, they understand what different communities want and need. Whereas Keir Starmer's cutting about being like, "Vote for us for council. Don't worry, we'll sort out the NHS." And it's like, yeah, what? What, 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 what do you think the council does? <laughs> Literally, it's just like they're there for bins and potholes, mate. Like, uh. they're not going to like. The, the local council's going out and like fighting fucking inflation like they, <laughs> they can't do that they don't have the power to do it so the like, people's republic of Medway. <laughs> <laughs> there is an interesting line here though isn't there because uh, you, there's there's the political angle there's the, the ideological theoretical political angle of purging the left from the labor party right mm. the de the massive downside of that is that with the big groundswell of membership that jeremy corbyn introduced to the labor party was this huge wave of volunteers who would go out and knock doors mm distribute leaflets like canvas for you etc and those people have now left the party or been kicked out well yes okay <laughs> aggressively yes. Yes. euphemistically they've left the party <laughs> yeah. yes then they've left the party <laughs> is that not true I they see have... you're not reading your show notes Mandelson <laughs> 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 comes yeah. out with a gun yeah. behind me uh, <laughs> like that dog Tower Hamlet uh, he was there actually with a shotgun you know, you know Mandelson when I went to a labour conference this year the first person I saw was Peter Mandelson really like, and I was like I hope you tapped him up. I was like, Peter, <laughs> lovely to see you again, brother. My guy, my guy. Peter, solidarity. <laughs> ben, so talk to me a little bit more about how the Greens and the Independents uh, did. So I think it's quite interesting is that we've had over the last, I mean, maybe decade, we've had like various different like green swells that have always promised to be this like tidal wave, but have never quite crested. And part of that can maybe be explained by the rise of Corbynism, um, obviously kind of like pre 
you know, in in the sort of like Ed Miliband years, Greens were really the only people that were like bashing the drama of anti-austerity. So it was a natural home for a lot of people. And then when Corbyn sort of rose up, people drifted towards there. Also, the Greens kind of, as everyone did, went a bit batshit during Brexit and were suddenly like, let's rejoin. And also we should have the Euro. And also, they didn't have to say that, but. <laughs> <laughs> and also, let's be Portugal. Like brazenly lying. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone has to get an EU tattoo on their forehead. <laughs> but but all didn't do well. That's insane. <laughs> so it's just Mental. all it's just all this sort of like never really quite happened for them. But now we're sort of back in back again in like the 2010 to 2015 era of like a really shite like one pump and done Labour Party, and people <laughs> want a little bit more foreplay. They want a little bit more fiddle. So mm. the Greens are there, and I think that that like. <laughs> You know, speaks to that. Um, you know, they they saw huge gains across the country. What was really interesting, I think, is that like Waverley, which is so like I've lived all over the place, but when I was growing up, I spent a bit of time in East Anglia. So Waverley's like Suffolky area, I think. I hope. <laughs> 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 we'll briefly looked this. at a map. Um, <laughs> I've lived in a lot of places. They all merge into one, but like it's just like not the kind of place that you would generally think, and that we've been talking about, we've been talking a lot about how the Greens are gonna take Bristol West, that mm. Thangham's time is um, coming to an end, mercifully. But, <laughs> and that like Carla Denia, who's, who's the co-leader of the Green Party, who is a councillor in Bristol, she's going to be the second MP, and now out of nowhere, Suddenly, it's the other co-leader, Adrian Ramsey, who has about as much charisma as Keir Starmer. That's so fucking hell. It's <laughs> somehow going to be the next. Wow. Is going to be the second Green MP, and that's going to be for Waverley. So, that's quite an interesting story. I think another thing to mention is that they collapsed completely in Brighton, uh, but absolutely trounced it in Lewis. So it's sort of, you know, a, a, an overall success. Um, is all, that going to? So they also um, have the first Green Run uh, council in Europe, as far as I'm aware. Mm. This, so they want, they've got complete control. I don't know what council it is. I should have looked that up. <laughs> right. They, 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 they have, there's a complete Green Run Council in Britain, and it's the first Green Run Council in oh, well, Europe. Well, as in every single councillor is a Green, is that what you're saying? Or as in, like, they have control of it. Overall control. They Overall control, control of Brighton. Did they not? Am I, I, yeah. that they? I thought they did, but then also... I, I, well, let's fact check this. I literally... I just... I'm going to Google, ladies okay. and gentlemen. I read, I read this. You guys just, talk amongst uh, yourselves. I just vibed that onto Brian. <laughs> deplorable things on the beach and then go home. <laughs> <laughs> counting, <laughs> counting the green cancer, did you see? Like, this is a yeah, green In a different place. way. It's <laughs> 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 just me and all of them under the pier. <laughs> is that Polanski? <laughs> Let's see what we get. Um, Caroline Lucas, what are you Caroline, doing here? I think Caroline Lucas said this. Yeah, man, you're not right. You're, yes. you're, sorry, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Gr Greens win first ever council outright. Green really? Party wins first ever council majority. Wow. Um, yeah. As the biggest party in Mid-Suffolk District Council. Which must be Waverley. Yeah, right? it's probably uh, Waverley adjacent. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That was, that was a real alley from Ben and me. We got there collectively. So before their victory in Mid-Suffolk, the only other Green-run council, such as Brighton and Hove, was a mi were minority administrations. Uh, so okay. that's the point of difference there. So it's a majority. Yeah. So everyone so, is a winner. Yeah, you're both right. right. So, yeah, you're, you're both right in different mm. ways. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> you both look at me with such disdain. Like, <laughs> there's no way you know this fact about the Greens. This fact that you gave no facts to. Like, it's just like a, a vibe space. It, it, it was a vibe But I think it's, like, I it it's quite interesting, isn't it? That like this is happening. Will, will this translate to you know, something in the generals? I don't know. Um, what on on the subject of the generals though? What is also another kind of like interesting low-level story is that several fairly like prominent in terms of their local area 
left-wingers from the Labour Party who were chucked out of the Labour Party, then contested as independents, so in Liverpool and in Portsmouth, and then won. And that's kind of not really been picked up in the sweeping like analysis of it. I don't think it's sort of, we don't need to look at it in terms of like a wide ranging like um, trend, but should give Keir Starmer pause for thought, given mm. that there are some notable left-wingers <laughs> that used to be Labour MPs who are now potentially going to run as independents mm -hmm. and understanding that the reason that they did that and the way that they did that is because they are part of their communities. They are intrinsic within it. And, and obviously, like we're talking about Jeremy Corbyn here. You, know, you cannot walk around Islington North with that man without being stopped by someone who he knows the name of them and their parents and their grandparents and also their aunt that lives somehow in Suffolk and <laughs> has done like stuff for all of them. And then there's a kebab shop that's got like his face all over all of the kebabs and all this. So it's like that I think is quite an interesting precursor to some of the like battles that we'll see. Well, Ben, year. I hate to tell you, but um, Keir Starmer says that the people who turned away from us during the Corbyn years and the Brexit years are coming back, <laughs> baby. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> <laughs> you guys fucking suck. Ah, lucky. Um, and he will also say today when he meets with his shadow cabinet that the NHS trumps woke every day of the week. Um, that's probably why people are coming back, I guess, with insight, insights like that. No, I, I, I was b being glib, but like your 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 nuanced point is 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 important mm. and and accurate. But I and I I think we should just be cautious when we're analysing these local elections to not over overread Labour's performance here, because mm. I think really the story is one of of, of Tory implosion. Mm. It is it is trustonomics coming back to bite. It is Partygate coming back to bite. It's Chris Pincher. It's bo the the entire Boris Johnson mm. colostomy bag of a government <laughs> coming back to bite in a way you really don't want a colostomy bag to come back. And yeah, that's a faulty colostomy <laughs> bag. That's, <laughs> that's not what it's meant to do. <laughs> <Bugger -tober. laughs> um, and and I think it really is their own ineptitude. I guess this 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 is. This is the point of difference and the thing that frustrates me about Keir and I will, you know, I'll give him his due if you like in terms of political strategy, which is that instead of trying to galvanize a movement and instead of trying to put forward ideas, a belief system and bring people into that movement and sort of, you know, galvanize change in the country, he is his strategy is essentially uh, hodl, sit on the lead, make sure I don't fuck it up too much and they're going to implode and I'll be able to I'll be able to get away and coast into government yeah. without having to you know do too much without having to be too too radical etc and we will see if that strategy pays off but for me, for me personally I don't really like the triangulation focus group type approach I think a leader's job is to lead and mm. to come up with ideas that makes people want to you know join the join the party and go move forward with it I think it's quite impressive that for however long we've all been talking about this we haven't mentioned coalition yeah. yeah, because that's all. That's, it's, it's quite funny. It's, it's quite funny when you like <coughs> political journalism is like the local elections were on fr uh, the results were on Friday, and every single thing is like, well, now all everyone's talking about is the Labour coalition government that's coming. <laughs> Will it be with the Lib Dems or SNP? <laughs> and that's like, mm. and it's like analysis is just pivoted to that. And I think like an important caveat to that is that these local elections excluded a large. Majority, a large part of the country. Well, it was just England, wasn't just it? Just England. Oh, it, it, it assumes all of England. It assumes no change in Scotland, which just isn't going to happen. Like Labour will win seats in mm. in Scotland. So I think that's like an important caveat to the discussion of like these local elections weren't beat like ten out of ten amazing for Starmer, but it could swing the. It, it, he could do better. But then I guess the flip side of that argument is that the the local elections that just happened four years ago were at the like depths of Theresa May's like floundering mm. and. Keir managed to 
up the vote percentage by 0.1 percent like yeah yeah and uh, at the, the depths of <coughs> Theresa May's floundering but also at the depths of like the the very much the beginning of the end for Corbynism and so like the idea that in these four years in three years of Starmer's leadership in like throwing off every single thing that he allegedly believes in in like expelling half of the party what he's achieved is 0.1 percent I think that's a pretty good trade. I don't know. Don't know about you, then. Yeah. This is like if I invested in stocks. Oh, this is what. This happen. is why I don't. Because I'm a fucking idiot, and I'd be like, "Well, that's a positive." Yeah, but it's a gain. It. It's a, yeah, we're in the black. Like, can we eat for a week? No, <laughs> but look what I did. And it's just like that's what Starmer is doing, and he's just wandering around. I think the the idea that like after all came out and we kind of looked at the adjusted percentages, and it's like Labour squeaking in. To a minority, and you're right in that, like, it's not reflective of the entire routine of, like, you know, the people that are going to be voting. But I think it's, like, fairly indicative of the fact that this triangulation, this sort of, like, oh, just hold on. Because Keir Starmer, for the first, like, two years, even now to a certain extent, his whole shtick was, I'm not Boris Johnson, I'm not Jeremy Corbyn. Mm. And it's like, okay, well, that kind of worked for a little bit, particularly yeah. when we we're all in. Who are like, you? Yeah, right. right? <laughs> it's just like, what do you, what uh -huh. do you stand for beyond? And it's just like, we're not going to repeal anything because that would be a lot of work. <laughs> We're gonna keep like we're gonna keep everything frozen at the rates that it is now when none of you can afford anything. We're gonna chat a little bit about the NHS maybe for a bit. We might wheel Wes out again just to like <laughs> say some shit. And then like and then what? I want to feed in the Labour spin lines at this point, as I feel it's only fair to do so. <laughs> <laughs> Which is that uh, the sort of the the three step strategy was to introduce Keir to the public, mm. to expose Tory inadequacy, and then the third and crucial part is to put forward a radical agenda for change in this country. Um, I suspect that the reason that's the third part might be because it's never going to come. But <laughs> <laughs> Any day now, wait, waiting for the third part of the Labour strategy. But Looking you know, for a third. I yeah. think I, always, always looking for a third. Um, I, think that's, I think that's kind of what they would say. I just, I, and I just want to say, I, mean, I quoted that, he's going to say this, uh, the NHS Trump's woke every day of the week. And I just want to talk about that a little bit before we move on to kind of the more counsel-y side of things. And I kind of, I, I, I kind of agree with him on that, right? But I think the second you say woke, even though it's a nonsense term and doesn't really mean anything, the second you describe something as socialist, the second you put like Jeremy Corbyn's name next to a policy, it essentially becomes toxic in the British electorate, largely because of the media apparatus that exists here. But I'm thinking of an interview I did with a sort of white, white van man who was saying, um, tax the energy companies. He was like, it is a joke. He, he actually said, it's a fugazi, is what he said to me. <laughs> he was like, tax them, tax them, tax them. How are they allowed to make this much money? And I said, oh, okay, that sounds like pretty socialist ideas you're talking about there. And he was like, no, fuck no, no, no. Socialist, no, 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 don't know about that. And the second you call something, people will su support funding the NHS. They'll support mm. higher taxes. They'll support windfall taxes. But the second you, I would never call something woke because it's largely a meaningless term at this point. But when it did have meaning, I still wouldn't use it. But those, <laughs> those, there's support for the policies, but because of the media apparatus and the sort of the discourse around these issues, when you call them things like woke, when you call them things like socialist, people immediately turn off, even though if the policy is presented in isolation, they actually support it. Mm. But we saw that, didn't we, in the aftermath of the last election when Labour took a hammering, is that then you look at the individual policies and the, the polling for them, people were like, fuck yeah, mm, fuck yeah. yeah, we should like have free internet. As much as the BBC tried to like poo-poo it. We're gonna nationalize sausages. Literally, oh. it was just like, it was just like, <laughs> yes, nationalize Greggs, <laughs> correct. Yeah, why not? Finally, and yeah. it's just like, yeah, you're right. Um, but it, 
it sort of speaks to this. I just think the fact that he's that he has the gall to say the NHS trumps woke every day, having spent the last like couple of years throwing everyone under the bus. I mean, I'm specifically talking about trans people and the way that he has like ungracefully pivoted, like me trying to fucking reverse an articulated lorry, like away <laughs> from what was the most like milk toast, but at least maybe kind of half, not really, but ish supporting to like, yeah, fuck him. Mm. Like, and, and it's just like, the reason that he's done that is because he's fucking, well, he stands for nothing, but he's petrified. He's absolutely petrified because he listens to like four people in some, and like, people don't give a shit. People do not care about trans issues. People, and not in a way of like, fuck them, but it's just like, this doesn't enter into people's day-to-day -day oh, lives, yeah. like most people. I think there's a huge part of the electorate that's like that, that if you, if you were to call them woke, they'd be offended, right? But if you drill down into it and you say, oh, so do you think you know, a, tra a trans person should be able to self-identify? They'd be like, well, yeah, of course they should. Yeah. Like, well, it makes no difference yeah, to me. Why would, why would I care? Why would I care what that person does? Or you know, I, any of the kind of race baiting, not even dog whistle, like you know, Suella Braverman literally being like, they are invading this country. Mm -hmm. Most people hear that and they go, that's disgusting. Yeah. They're like, I don't, I don't like that. Even like Jonathan Gullis reacted to it. He was like, oh, what the hell? I don't know. And he's more right-wing than your average person. So I think most people are like, specifically when it comes to trans people, like, oh, people can do literally whatever they want. Like, will this affect my life in any way? No? Okay. But you just you just need to look at it historically, right? Like, Nadia won Big Brother, what was it, like 20 years ago? Yeah. As like an openly trans woman. No, like barely a blip. Hayley in Coronation Street was a trans oh, character yeah. for like the entire time when I was growing up, not a fucking blip. It didn't yeah. make, wasn't people just like getting themselves into like aneurysm territory, being like, she's taking over women's spaces. It's just like, it's a fucking cafe. <laughs> <laughs> she's making baps. Like, she runs it with her loving husband. Literally. <laughs> this is yeah. a beautiful love story. <laughs> like, and this is the thing, it's just like, you can, ju you can see it's like a really, really great, like, demonstrate of the way in which these sort of like rabid freaks have utilized it and now are like you know introduce you know it's very much sort of confluencing with these like far right you look at the same people that are protesting outside of migrant hotels are the same people that are protesting outside of pubs in honor oak because mm drag queens are talking to children or in the instance when we were there literally not even talking like yeah, they, yeah. There was, it, the event wasn't happening mm -hmm. and that Lawrence Fox Calvin Robinson etc still turned up and the, pub, <laughs> the pub are kind of confused being like why are you fucking here like, <laughs> it's not happening please go away <laughs> <laughs> you've caused like this like minor culture war to happen outside and there's not even a drag event happening yeah it's wild hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy so I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
We have never had it so good. It's the Politics Show podcast. So let's move off culture wars then. Let's talk about let's talk about housing. Let's talk about the cost of living. And in the context of this uh, Labour win, right? Because I want to I want to get it right. Uh, Keir's meeting with the leader of the twenty two councils. They won. And they've been tasked with drawing up, quote, emergency cost of living plans within their first 100 days, as well as reviewing local housing and development policies. New research by which has revealed that 2 million households were unable to pay at least one bill last month. 60% of people are cutting back on essentials or sold items to find the cash to keep up with their payments. That is real politics there. That's mm. that's real issues. And I guess this kind of comes to the point earlier we were talking about whether how, how much the local council in... Plymouth can do to <laughs> help with the cost of living. However, um, it is a very pressing issue. Ed, how do you see how do you see housing tying into this? Where do you see, for example, something like council housing or house building on the behalf of local councils tying into that broader picture around, let's say, welfare, well-being, you know, um, the cost of living? Mm. I suppose Keir Starmer has the opportunity now. Now that, that these councils have, he's had some. This is, he's had some success here. He's these are local councils who, which have become Labour councils under his leadership. He has the opportunity now to prove, well, the three of us wrong. And yeah. if, if he, if the quality of life for people in these councils massively upturns thanks to being led by Labour, then we will all, I will eat Ben's hat and Ben will eat mine and we'll get Ollie a hat and he eats it too. <laughs> I was considering bringing down a baseball hat because I thought Ava's not here, it's guys being dudes. Dude rock. Wear hats. <laughs> just we'll, bros we'll, being bros. Yeah, we'll just spin our it's hats around. Dude and... rock pod. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Now we're in. Let's talk about housing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we should talk about housing, right? Because I think, it, I think it's one of the easiest wins. It, okay, so solving the housing crisis is multifaceted, runs far deeper than just build more council houses, build more private houses. In, uh, there's a really good podcast by Michael Walker called Crash Course, which goes into this in detail, and we will not be able to do it justice in the same way. But a key component of, of it is council house building. I've got a stat here. In the 1950s, councils on average built 147,000 council houses a year. Mm -hmm. In the last 10 years, the average was 1,400 a year. Hmm. And then like 40% of those houses are now private rents because of right to buy, thanks to, you guessed it, Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> um, you know, I, it's all very well and good. Keir comes in and says to the council, you've got to build houses. But I think it kind they don't really have control over it. Like they need, they need to be allowed to borrow the money to build the houses. They need to be given grant funding, ideally, by central government in order to fund those things. I think also as well, talking about like money, should we invest in this, should we invest in that? I. I, I think we should look at housing not as a cost, right? So, it's, okay, we'll give you a grant of, let's say, I don't know, 10 billion quid to local authorities in order to build houses. You will get that money back mm. in in health outcomes, mm. in general well-being, in, in uh, reduced levels of crime, in all of these things. I, I think you and I talk about this quite often on the desk about mental health and how people just, uh, it's, oh, yeah, man, all these dudes are so unhappy. Like, we're all fucking yeah. miserable. And it's, oh, well, have you considered that, like, everyone's paying, like, 50% of their income on like a rent on, on a yeah, rented yeah. on a rented property like they don't have housing security their lives aren't great and it's like why is everyone so upset yeah it's not it's not like it's it's well, when, I, when I first joined politics show we used to talk about people uh, this, this is kind of largely irrelevant as a cultural observation now <laughs> but, um, <laughs> push through it but um people don't need dr alex remember when dr alex was like the mental health ambassador for the government mm. and i felt quite bad for him because he's like that's quite a personal relationship with men's mental health because I think his, his brother died by suicide yeah. and so he I think he was really delighted to be in this position but he was set up to fail 
because mm. an ambassador for mental health to the government can achieve sweet fuck all. Mm. And what would actually really have helped men's mental health is literally like a better quality of life, like being able to buy a home, move out of your parents, like not spend like the you spend less money on mortgage and get to see your friends and go for a pint, and then you can talk about your mental health. Like it's, not like, <laughs> it's, it's such it's such like it's such easy crutch bollocks. And then then also I suppose as well. This is just a, a rant about the discussion of how we talk about mental health in this country. But like, imagine like the three of us now, we've very good relationship. If like we're like, oh, so how are you, man? Like, oh, I'm I'm currently experiencing a psychotic episode. What what are you two gonna do? Mm-hmm. And like, well, like no no one is equipped to actually deal with the genuine horrific side of mental health. It's not just like it's okay to not be okay. Kind of up to a certain point, if you're dealing with like anxiety or very mild depression. It's not okay to be currently engaged in psychosis and <laughs> not to be hospitalised. Mm. I think that's like I think it's a really important yeah, distinction. I agree, and also uh, this is a slightly weird anecdote that may or may not make the final edit. But I was <laughs> uh, I was visiting my grandmother in her in her care home this weekend, and I said I walked in, I said to the receptionist, "Oh, you're you okay? You're right?" And she went, "No, I've been better." I said, "Oh, what's wrong?" She's like, "Hay fever started. Terrible." And I just, I, I just, you know what? When I asked you if you're okay, I didn't actually want you to tell me that. I you're like, part of the problem. I'm, I'm sorry, you're part Sharon. of the problem. I'm sorry, Sharon. I, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. hey, I've got hay fever as well. You must be grasses. I must be trees. <laughs> right? Mine hasn't kicked in yet. I don't give a shit. Like, where's my grandma? I want to go, go see her. Let me in. Hay Shut fever up. is not a mental health issue. <laughs> no. But I just, what, I, what I'm trying to get at is like when you, when you like the the whole are you okay mate are you not okay it's just bullshit it's like mm. no 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 one seriously thinks like when i say to you ed uh, when you come in, in the morning uh, how are you and you go yeah i'm okay that i'm gonna go no no how are you really you know it's it, that's not when it happens it's when you your meaningful relationships proper support network and you talk about these things it's such a fucking cliche that i think that men aren't able to talk about their feelings it's just you don't have a relationship with a man strong enough where he feels confident to talk to you about it so you think men don't talk about their feelings i just don't think it's true and also i just think like there's nowhere to go i think your, your point about psychosis is right it's sort of like you know i've had mates who are like having a, a right mare and they sort of come to me and they'll ring me and i'll do the best i can but i i am not a practitioner mm. right? I'm an idiot with a phone who can like. Could <laughs> That's be quite like, a good description of all of us. Have you considered going to superstore? So <laughs> 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 I mean, like, I'll get a bag in. Do you know like, what you need? <laughs> MDMA. Yeah. Also, I've seen the studies. The microdosing apparently it works. So like, let's just. I'll just give you a tiny bit of ketamine and it'll uh, be fine. Can, can, can you microdose this? I think would be. I mean, trying to microdose in the fucking is red key, light of superstore. Is super a key a microdose? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> But like, yeah, I think you're right. And it, it speaks to this individualization yes, of yes. men's health. And it's like, yeah, it is correct that we should be having more conversations. And to a certain extent, like, when we met earlier, you were like, how are you? And I was like, ah, Bill. And it's like, oh, that shit. And like, you know, it would be nice to be able to be like, oh, how are you think? Oh, a little bit like, a little bit blue, a little bit sad, mm. etc. And like that, we should be talking more like that. And we should be engaging with each other more like that. But the problem comes is when it's like slightly more, you know, if I turned up and was like, actually, I've got TB. <laughs> You'd be like, okay, firstly, <laughs> could you stand over there? Uh. And secondly, have you considered going to the hospital? <laughs> Imagine you just walking around with a broken arm asking your friends to help. And it's just like, that's the case, isn't it? It's just like what we don't, like, and more and more people are walking around with like metaphorical broken arms or mm. metaphorical TB because it's shit. This country sucks. It's a bad place to live. 
and there is nothing on the horizon like no offering from Keir Starmer, no amount of being like, well, what I'm going to do is I'm mm. going to sit down with That's the leaders impression. of 22 <laughs> councils and I'm going to tell them <laughs> that they should maybe build free homes. And I'm like, okay, fucking sick, mate. That but I went down, for example, last week to Eastbourne. We're doing a whole new like series of, um, about the cost of living crisis. And I went down to Eastbourne went to a food bank there and talked to them about it and was like, what's going on? Because they happen to have like the highest per capita in the whole country of food parcels. And I was like, what, you know, what is it? Like, who are, you, who are you seeing coming in? And we were talking about it and they were like, you know, what we are seeing more and more is particularly like, you know, single parents or, but more and more like across the entirety of the population are people in completely intractable positions. Like the idea of a food bank is to make sure people don't have to use a food bank, right? So mm. you come in, you, you're there for an emergency, you're a stopgap, and then you can pivot them over to this resource, this resource, this resource. They're not there. Mm. They don't exist. And that's like them literally maxing out the council. So if Keir Starmer wants councils to help, he needs to empower councils to do that by having our policy would be nice. You know what I mean? Like a something. single delicious policy. Like yeah. Some kind of, something that looks on a national level and recognizes. I mean, he's, set, he's just set himself up to fail by talking, by bringing in, I mean, we were joking about it earlier, but you know, by bringing in these national issues in a council, because part of the problem with the, the collapse of the Labour vote in 2019, part of the reason for that is because these communities have had Labour councils for so long and they have not seen any change. And part of that is because the council has been shit and complacent. They haven't been engaged in the community, but also because they have been Labour councils operating under an austerity Tory coalition and then government. Mm. And people don't understand, or like a lot of people don't understand like the delineation because at what point would you? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. most people have friends and like have sex and like, you know, <laughs> drink. They're not like freaks like us <laughs> that <laughs> know about all of this shit. And I still don't really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of it. So it's just like, obviously. So if Keir Starmer was being like, don't worry, vote for the council. What we'll do is we'll sort out the hospital. We're going to sort out inflation. We're going to do this. They can't fucking do it. What mm. can do it is the National Labour Party, yeah. a, a government, having policies that's not oh well freeze bills mate give me a fucking <laughs> break total rhubarb it's the politics show podcast let's um let's go for a little jaunt along the south coast from eastbourne towards <coughs> dorset um to talk about the bibby barge uh, or the hate boat as we were calling it earlier um where these migrants are going to be housed um ed you've been to dorset you yes you've you've made a piece about the mp there richard drax um you'll be pleased to know he's found the time to talk about the bibby barge oh good the, 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 <laughs> the, the barge that's going to house the 222 bedroom mega barge i should call it uh, that will house asylum seekers arriving in the uk um good to see he's found the time to talk about that um, because he's a very busy man, from what I understand, mm, and he never talks about his entire, his, most of his, well, <laughs> directly being descended from the slave trade. <laughs> but he's talking about this. Um, yeah, it's. I th I, th I think the discussion around this is what's well, obviously it's a discussion in Britain about refugees and migrants, so it's going to be gross. But um, like, the the whole thing comes about because the Conservative government has decided that the hotels are too nice for these desperate people fleeing war zones. So they're like, well, we, we optically, we can't be seen for them to be like enjoying a decent amount of human rights. So we need to put them two in a room on a boat, whatever. It's, it's just, the whole thing's pretty gross. And then the objection to it, <laughs> the, the, so it's, it's being put in Portland, which is a 
island just off of Weymouth in Dorset, which is like a holiday destination. It's like a sea- Weymouth is like a seaside town full of retirees, um, and just uh, there's local objections to it about people's safety, and I think about like. I imagine a large racial element to it as well, <laughs> believe it or not. But um, <laughs> the the mail the mail online described it as a holiday hotspot, being like I think they said it was going to be ruined by this barge. Have they been to Weymouth? It just seems like it just seems like that's just gross. That's, I, I actually don't really have much more to say than this whole. Dis- it's just a really depressing discussion, and once again, really vulnerable people are being made more miserable than your, they already are. Your point about this almost just being for the optics is really, really important because I, th- I think I said there, was it 222 bedrooms? I think it's so far six six or 7,000 people have crossed the channel this year. So this isn't, it's not practical. Do you know what I mean? It's not going to like, oh, yeah. this, this, we'll house everyone here. Yeah, it's one bar. It is literally just to be able to, for, for them to send like the GB News cameras down to and be like, look how fucking hanging this barge is. Mm. And yeah, we're going to make them all live here. So fucking cheers, yeah. boys. Um, <laughs> but, then, but then like, but then, like it, w- it won't be grim enough for them because it no. has a gym and a games room. Mm. Disgusting. Like, like prisons have that. Mm. So, like, so if, if, if so, is the level like? Do you is it that conditions that are acceptable in prisons are too good for refugees and migrants? Is that is that the argument? Is that we're going? It's going to be a real gutter. Yeah. Race to the bottom depiction of how we treat. Uh, refugees and really vulnerable people. Well, it's coming at a time as well, isn't it? Where you, we obviously have Marston in Kent, um, where you know, which is an ex-army base that was like cleared out because it was so fucking rotted, and then they were like, "Oh, don't mind, we just chuck him in there." And then obviously, people were getting diphtheria, people were um, getting seriously ill from the conditions when they're, you know, they've just given themselves a load of new power to open up more. Ironically, they're doing one in an old prison, which also rotted, full of asbestos, cannot be used because of that. But don't worry, lads, we're going to put them in, in Bexhill, which if you've seen the film Children of Men, is where, <laughs> is literally where that camp in this like dystopic film yeah, yeah, yeah. is. And they're like, yeah, seems good. <laughs> like it wasn't a manual, but that's how Suella Braverman <laughs> watched it. And it's like, fucking great oh, idea. Oh, you're so right. <laughs> yeah. Ideas from this. Yeah, yeah and so it's just like, this is happening at the same time. You're right, like it's entirely, it's not a solution and they keep talking about solving small boats like we will bring it and they keep upping the ante because it was Rwanda and then it was pushbacks and then Mm. it was this and then it was that you are not going to stop that from the beginning of humanity and then way back from when we were like shit-eating chimps or whatever was happening (laughs) I don't know (laughs) not fucking David Attenborough (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from all we have moved we have moved across the surface of this planet and we will continue to do so in greater numbers because parts of this planet are becoming inhospitable and like unable to be lived on partly because of people like Drax's family who run coal mines coal and gas power stations which are polluting this earth more and more people will be moving because of things that we like get ourselves involved in we have no fucking business getting ourselves involved in bombing the shit out of the middle east mm. like this is going to keep happening. The way that you solve, but I, you know, I don't want, none of us want people to get in a boat and cross the world's busiest shipping container, that shipping lane. Mm. Like no one wants that. The way you solve that isn't by being fucking mental. It's by providing safe routes. Yep. Like that's the only solution here. And so like, we're just in, it is a race to the bottom, but it's sort of like, how is this gonna end? Because we people are dying in, Mm-hmm. The thing I remember literally like four or five years ago, I wrote a piece. Uh, there was some deaths in the med, and I wrote a piece being like, 
we will see bodies washing up on the shores of Britain before long. Mm. And I remember people being like, this is histrionic. This is like ridiculous. Like, it's, never, like, it's fucking happening. Yeah. Like it's happening. And the more that they do this, it's all a show. It's all a farce. It is exactly that. But another thing I think to like, to talk about and to think about is the fact that like, when we did the stand selection, like part of the, part of like what was quite amusing about it was that they tried to get us on terrorism. Best of luck, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Better luck next time. <laughs> no flies on Ben's <laughs> um, But that's part of that is because they had to shut down the runway because they said that we were like near it, which we weren't. We were in a very, very remote part of the airport. The reason they did that is because they didn't want the fact that they were like literally putting people in shackles mm. who still had not had all of their um, all of their rights to appeal heard and just lobbing them in the middle of the night and then flying them off. Mm. And you know, there, there is a reason why detention centers are in butt fuck nowhere. There is a reason why they are choosing army bases. There is a reason why after we did that action, they then started doing deportations from military bases. Yeah. There is a reason why they're putting them on barges that are like through, I was talking to a friend in Falmouth, uh, which is where the barge currently is, where it's being spruced up. Um, and it's like, it's literally to get to it, you have to pass through a military zone. Mm. It's like, there is a reason why people, the most, some of the most vulnerable people on this planet are being housed in these places. The UN reporter on, the viol on violence against women in 2015 was not allowed access to Yarlswood to report on the horrendous and endemic abuse within it by then Home Secretary Theresa May. That, that's on land, people can see it, people can communicate. I've been there, we've like talked to them via banners and stuff. If you're on a fucking barge in a military zone, if you're on an army base, these bases are designed to keep people away. What is going on there? And who is going to have oversight? Because as we, you know, to bring it back to where we were at the beginning, the fucking cops aren't. They're going to be walking around like, <laughs> like, we, who, what is going, like, where, where does this end? Not to like, you know, bring it down, but <laughs> Why not? it's not good. <laughs> yeah, no, it isn't good. It's terrible. And um, <coughs> I, we've gone full circle. So I think it's probably a pretty good place for us to draw a line under things. Ben Smoke uh, of Huck Magazine, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate you acting as holiday cover for our dear, dearly departed Ava Santina. She will be back. She's um, not dead. She's, not dead. she's, just, she's, she's, she's just on holiday. Um, Ed Campbell, uh, Politics Joe's politics producer, thank you so much for your witty uh, observations as always. Thank you. Please leave us a review, subscribe, and we'll catch you on the next one. Take it easy, guys. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.